Paul Steinhauser. He's going to be doing a lot in Iowa coming up, but he's on the road. He's joining us this morning with a quick hit. He reports nationally for Fox News and locally for us here now, uh, powered by Six Hour. Good morning, New Hampshire, the Pulse of an Age. Take it away, Steiny. Hey, good morning, Jack. I'm still here in New Hampshire for a few more days before I head out back out to Iowa. One last trip there before the caucuses. But I'm excited about this snow because I want to take my kids sledding, and we haven't had a chance yet this year. We haven't had really any snow in the in the seacoast. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, anyhow, brand-new numbers out today in New Hampshire showing the same thing we've seen. Nikki Haley's momentum closing the gap on Donald Trump uh, with just, what, two and a half weeks to go until the primary. This poll, American Research Group, you know, believe it or not, it indicates Trump at 37, which is lower than he's been. Most of the other polling in New Hampshire is in the mid-40s. Haley at 33 percent, Christie down there around 10 percent, and uh, DeSantis and Ramaswamy in single digits. But, but you know, listen, we've been talking about this for a while, Jack. Uh, her momentum in this state is real. She's done the hard work. She's done the retail. And then getting the endorsement, of course, and all that support from Governor Sununu sure doesn't hurt either, Jack. Hey, uh, you know, it's interesting, Paul. Earlier we had Jeb Bradley, Senate president on, you know, leading Republican, knows a lot about the primary, making the prediction, mm-hmm. bold as it is right now, 18 days to go before New Hampshire. I asked him if he thought independents would participate in the Republican primary enough here, enough to make a big difference or not. And uh, Senator D'Alessandro, a leading Democrat line in the Senate, he knows a lot about primaries. He doesn't think they will. Senator Bradley predicts Trump gets at least 40 percent of that primary Republican voter. Nikki Haley, maybe 30. So she's the second place story. But it could be a bigger margin than the Haley Sununu people want or think. But who knows? We have, that's what the next few weeks will determine, right? Exactly. That's what makes it, you know, forget about all the polls. The only polls that matter are what happens in Iowa on January 15th in the caucuses and what happens here in our primary on the 23rd. Those are the numbers that matter. Finally, after talking about this for all these years, for almost two years now, the people get to vote. So that's what's important. And uh, let's hope a lot of people come out on primary day here in New Hampshire and vote in the primary. All right. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Jack. Paul Steinhauser, live good uh, Fox News nationally. Brad Card, one of our political analysts and all-stars, he's not too happy about the Penguins edging the Bruins last night, 6-5. to five. But, Brad, we have 18 days to go. There was some CNN town halls last night. I think you watched them more than me. I don't know how many Republican primary voters watch CNN town halls, but everything maybe matters a little bit right now. Take it away, Brad. Good morning. Yeah, I watched it. and uh, That Bruins game was a shootout, and we're going to have a shootout over the next 18 days, I think, up in New Hampshire as well. So it's good. Uh, look, at, I, I thought that the town hall meetings actually were the most productive of the of the forums that, that I've seen, at least, um, much better than the debates. I thought DeSantis did really well. It was his best performance, in my opinion. And I think Nikki Haley did what she had to do. She was, uh, she was very likable. DeSantis is not tremendously likable. I think that's just his personality. But he came across as being very competent. Um, very disciplined, and he talks about, you know, his word is his vow, and that's what he's going to do. He's going to live up to his word. And quite frankly, I think he did something that they should have been doing for a long time. Both candidates did, is they took a couple shots at Donald Trump. Um, And I think they're right to. I mean, spending under Donald Trump was astronomical. Uh, they, They talked about the promises made, and I think Nikki Haley alluded to the fact that it's bigger than just hurting somebody's feelings and and donald trump takes everything personal and they ask him why does he why does he like a certain person even when it's like putin or something they said well because he says good things about me so 
I think that Nikki Haley did what she needed to do to, to continue her momentum. I think DeSantis maybe stopped the bleeding. It obviously glaring that that you see Chris Christie still involved in this race when he's really not involved in the race anymore. Uh, but he's going to be a distraction. It's going to hurt Nikki Haley, and it's going to hurt his main issue, as he says, is to stop Donald Trump. So we'll see if 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 Chris Christie has a change of heart and tries to get out of the you know gets out of this race before uh, the primary. But I think it was good, and I think that it shows. Also, I, w- I just want to say this too. I've heard from a number of members of Congress who have been getting a ton of pressure by Donald Trump to endorse him, and we saw a whole bunch of endorsements just come out, including who, who was that. Who was that to? A, a bunch of members of Congress from, okay. from Donald Trump and from his campaign okay. uh, putting pressure on them to endorse. That means that they're feeling the heat from Nikki Haley, in my opinion. And, and, and they're trying to lock down as many members of Congress for endorsements as they can. Uh, and In my opinion, that's because they're definitely feeling the heat that Nikki Haley is bringing. All right. Well, again, I, I think the, the question's got to be, what does the makeup look like? Senator D'Alessandro is predicting not, you know, uh, oh, no, actually, I'm sorry, it was another one of our guests already this morning predicting that uh, Kevin Lamdigan, the New Hampshire Union leader, actually, that the Democrats are not that motivated or energized or excited to participate in the primary because Joe Biden is snubbing, screwing over New Hampshire, not even on the ballot, and they're asking them to write him in. I'm not sure how many are going to run out and do that. So the question still comes back to the wild card, independent voters here. Brad, I think the other question I've asked on the show recently, I'm going to ask you, Brad Card, Card and Associates, one of our political analysts and all-stars. And by the way, Brad will be with us primary morning, primary evening, as we broadcast our special primary show live from the West Wing, St. Anselm College Institute of Politics, where Brad attended until they kicked him out when he was younger, um, and then the morning of but. Uh, the morning after. But, Brad, um, the question I ask is, with Chris Sununu endorsing Nikki Haley and others, uh, Bill Binney, chairman of Binney Media, jumped in the other day to endorse Nikki, and you know, uh, the John Sununu Sr., uh, Chris Sununu's brother, John E. Sununu, former senator, all in on Nikki Haley. So the, the focus is on independent voters, trying to wake them up, get them to participate in a Republican primary. It also raises the question, and here's my question, is the Republican primary even a presidential primary, is a Republican primary in New Hampshire these days, and we're 18 days away, is, is it the primary, is the Republican primary the party of Sununu after four two-year terms as governor, or is it the party of Trump And that's the, in New Hampshire? And that's the question I think a lot of people are going to find out on uh, Tuesday, January yeah, 23rd. That, that, that's a really good question, Jack. And, and, and uh, I, I, I hate to say this. I don't like my answer. My answer is it's probably the party of Trump in the primary. Um, we saw that in the, in, the, in the last election with the primary candidates that won. Uh, the Republican primary was won by two members for the both House seats and the United States Senate seat that could not win a general election. And, and I was saying that at that time. That they're going to they're they're elect they're voting in a primary to advance somebody that really is not going to win the general election, and they did not win the general election, and that's a concern that you have in certain primaries, and uh, and and I'd like to see this kind of be a little bit bigger than that, and we'll see. I think it's important for independent voters to get out and, and, and to vote into this Republican primary, and they ought to vote in the Republican primary if for no other reason that they have been absolutely snubbed by the National Democrat Party. 
so they should vote in the Republican primary, in my opinion. Um, look, I think that is Nikki Haley is it, it seems to have momentum. I mean, and uh, Jack, you and I kind of go on our guts a lot of times, and I know that you've been out and about, and 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 friends of ours have been out and about, and they feel a momentum for Nikki Haley. And the question is, is it going to be enough? Uh, Donald Trump, I'm sure, is going to be back in and doing another big rally, and that will help him. But I think that they raised some questions in their town hall meeting that I think they could both expand on. I mean, DeSantis and Haley could both expand on uh, to, to beat Trump up a little bit. I think they have to show that they want it. They're willing to take on Donald Trump. Um, and I, I think that they both started that process way too late, but mm-hmm. they, they are making that case. And I think it was but rather effective. But, but let's, let's face this. I think 2020 was somewhat of an aberration, um, you know, in terms of uh, not really the results per se, but just the process coming out of COVID, you know, the whole weird lead up to that. But if you look at 2016, when Donald Trump had what, Brad, you know, many of these people, 16 at least major Republicans, establishment Republicans in the primary running against them in New Hampshire, including Kasich, Rubio, Jeb Bush. I could go on and on and on. And Trump mowed them down. Like you mow down your grass on a July day with your lawnmower. And the question is, this time, several Republicans jumped into this thing thinking he was vulnerable, thinking people would be tired of him. Then all the legal distraction. How many indictments? And here he goes again. He's taken them one by one. He's, you know, he took DeSantis on early, called nicknames to Sanctimonious, to Sanctus, the, you know, the Florida governor. He goes after everyone. Now he's going after Nikki Haley. The question is, can anyone on the Republican side, until Trump goes away, away, beat him? That's a good question. I, I don't know, Jack. I mean, it, it, it is head-scratching. I will tell you, part of the reason why uh, Donald Trump, I think, is, is doing well is because Joe Biden is such a poor candidate. Joe Biden has done such a horrible job, especially handling the southwest border, that he has just left this door wide open for Donald Trump because they, they, they think that they need something drastic, and Donald Trump brings a drastic case for them. Look, Nikki Haley has it right. Chaos follows Donald Trump. It just does, and and can we handle more but, chaos? And but, and I think that. But here's the, the deal: to the Trump, Trump smart. But, yeah, but, but the hold Trump on, to the, has, it, they they've criticized Joe Biden for staying in his staying in his basement, and that's what Donald Trump has done to a large degree. I, he I know, but it's debate. But let's just talk about the chaos because I'm not disagreeing with that. But that's a really message for independent voters because the Trump voter wants chaos. They want Trump to go after the Department of Justice. They're tired of this. They're tired of that. They're, they want Trump to get in there and clean house. And, but the independent voters are probably going to be tired of chaos and distractions and sort of fighting the past. Well, I mean, if they want that, they can get that with either Nikki Haley or DeSantis because that's what they're both saying. Um, I, I, I think the, the problem was with – look at the, look at the uh, COVID package that Donald Trump championed, the very first COVID package – and I don't know why conservatives don't talk about this, but they embrace Donald Trump. Donald Trump got, gave everybody a check. He gave everybody a check, including federal government workers. Federal government workers whom you knew were going to continue to get paid. So not only did they get a check during COVID, they got a bonus. That's not what the intent of it was initially for, or mm-hmm. what they said it was for. But at that time, right. I was vocal about it, that everybody shouldn't be getting a check. But it was Donald Trump who pushed that through the United States House. And, and what, what we ended up with is massive spending, and now we have massive deficits. You can right, lay listen. that on the, on the feet of Donald Trump. 
we have to run. Listen, J-Dog, uh, I know you're coming out. Uh, Brad Card, live, Card and, Associ- Card and Associates. Thank you, Brad. Looking forward to a few weeks. We'll catch you, of course, Monday on the show. Make it a great weekend and uh, live from Washington. Thank you, Brad. All right. We'll see you. All right. When we come back, Aaron Real, NBC News Radio, national correspondent. Unlikely topic uh, for Aaron this, uh, this Friday morning as we get going. Uh, we're going to be hearing from her and then a little bit later on. Also, Michael Graham, New Hampshire Journal, checking in. Then J-Dog's going a little bit earlier this morning with Josh from VEASAN uh, as they do their pick six today because last night there was no real – they're looking at the weekend and the playoff picture. But the big question Aaron Real is examining, a uh, new study looking at uh, weight loss and career growth. What is she talking about? We'll find out next. Good morning, New Hampshire, the Pulse of an H. Back in a moment. Aaron Real, NBC News Radio National Correspondent, checking in live and local and nationally. Good morning, Aaron. And I guess you're looking at an interesting path or uh, a path or question about weight loss and career opportunities or careers. Take it away. Yes. So this is interesting. People who have lost weight say that getting in shape has helped their careers. And know what? The data backs them up. Weight bias in the workplace is actually well documented. There are many studies that show that people with obesity are paid less and promoted less. So the economists found that obese men with a bachelor's degree earn 5% less than their thinner counterparts. It's even worse for women. They earn 12% less. And then Bloomberg did a study that found that overweight people are hired less, promoted less, paid less, and for every six pound in average American gains, their pay drops from roughly 2%. It's pretty staggering, Jack. Yeah, and you know what? It's, I don't take this wrong. I always think it's sad that we have to use a career advancement or opportunity as an incentive to just get in shape because it might be physically a better thing for you and you might feel better. And Anyway, it's just me. All right, thank you, Aaron. Thanks. All right, Aaron Realms, News Radio National Correspondent. Hey, going to get a quick check-in from the one, the only, Michael Graham, NH Journal, <laughs> NewHampshireJournal.com. He doesn't need to be fired up. He's so He moves so fast, weight can't even stay on this guy. Take it away, Michael. Well, I've got the crud that's been going around, Jack. Everyone's coughing into your microphones. But just, just the story yesterday of State Representative Jonah Wheeler, the progressive from Peterborough, who took to the floor and said, I just can't support having sex change surgery that, you know, removes genitals, et cetera, for children. And the blowback he got from Democrats who, you know, as one rep told me off the record, they had a struggle session with him. It was so loud in the anteroom in the House that members of the caucus, both caucuses, went back to check on the poor guy because they were attacking him. And the attacks got so uh, aggressive that members of the sergeant-at-arms overheard threats from his fellow Democrats and went to the State House security unit. And they went to Wheeler and said, you know, we want to move you to another location in the house. We had to spend the rest of the session on the back row of Section 3. Basically, they sent this uh, young black uh, progressive to the back of the bus to protect him from his fellow Democrats in the house over this issue because uh, the major- you know, more than 175 Democrats voted in favor of this extreme, you know, uh, sexual gender surgery change. For children, and they would not tolerate uh, his vote. And it, it's really, if you, don't, if you have a chance, Jack, to go on the State House webpage well, ever I, can, see that can speech, go, it is amazing. Can I go back? Can you just sort of calmly, since you know you're, you don't feel that well, so it calms you down? Can you <laughs> can you just sort of tell us again without elaboration or hype? He was basically, you know, what happened to this gentleman in terms of the reaction he got from other Democrats? He was uh, he, he, when he gave his speech, and then the vote. You know, you know, they were debating or whatever. You know, it went on until the vote. He went back in what they call the anteroom. It's where you can have off 
floors conversations. And he was confronted by progressives screaming, yelling, threats. He told them, look, I'm here to legislate. I'm, I, I'm happy to talk to you, but you know, this, I'm doing my job representing my constituents. And they would not have it. And they demanded that he apologize, that he scrape and grovel. And uh, it, it became so heated that um, Democratic House leader Wilhelm called a special caucus session during lunch to get the caucus together to calm them down. Well, that didn't work because Representative Wheeler kept saying, look, I understand how you feel. I'm pro-trans, but children, it's different. And the quotes that came from his fellow Democrats were so upsetting that members of the sergeant-at-arms overheard them and went to the statehouse cops and said, you guys need to check on this guy. I mean, this, these are real threats. And so um, he had to be protected from his fellow Democrats because of their position on the issue of trans rights. They've just really staked out a spot. And by the way, meanwhile, Jack, um, study after study from Europe and government after government in Europe are moving away from allowing life-changing, irreversible surgery for children in this area because it's, they've decided it doesn't work. The science isn't matching it. So the science on this is in, in question, but the politics is not. You, you know, Democrats overwhelmingly embrace uh, children's surgery for that cannot be undone for sex changes. You know, I'm trying to, while you're listening, while you're, while you're talking, like I'm listening, and I'm trying to, like, in a calm, not politically agitated way and i mean this on sure. a friday last thing i'm thinking of I'm just chilled out it's friday i'm looking forward to a little bit of snow this week and some football games and taking a break first full year of the new first week of the new year i'm looking at some of these issues and the reason why i think this one did pass i'm looking at some people and i think eight out of ten commonsensical people in a room of all ages stages walks of life walks of different parts of backgrounds would say you know I think with young, with, with juveniles and kids, this mm-hmm. is a little bit out there, and what they want to do as adults is separate. I think we can all agree on that. But sometimes these things are pushed with such energy, it almost becomes like a religious, it's like a zealous, mm-hmm. you know, rabid, weird thing. It's, it's almost like with, when you raise, like, certain discussions in public education, what should a parent know versus right. administrators with a kid if they're the caregiver. And you can't even have a rational, common-sensical discussion. You know, if you're a parent or a caregiver and your kid has a 102 temperature and a fever or is sick or is being attacked in school, you should the first call should go to the parent. Mm-hmm. But on other cases, maybe the parent shouldn't know this about their kid. Who draws that line? And on some of these things, if you just allowed common sense and not politics or some agenda, which I don't understand, and it's not an agenda that's anti or pro anything, by the way. I'm for basically people as adults and individuals live free or die. You do you, I'll do me. I'm not going to judge you based on what you wear, what you say, what you want to do, how you want to live your life. That's up to you. But with kids, I can't believe the emotion that's wrapped around this, like, oh my goodness, we can't even have a commonsensical discussion about what parents should know or about what, you know, uh, should should a should a 9 or 10 or 12 year old uh, kid mm-hmm. who may be thinking one thing today, you know, have some kind of agenda surgery which they could regret or be happy about the rest of their life, but they may not. They may not know at 11 years old. I I, I don't know what I knew at you know 11 years old, other right. than what I know. So I just I, it's amazing the emotion wrapped around some of this stuff. Well, think about what happened when those presidents of Harvard and UPenn, whatever, went before Congress and asked a simple question: Under your rules on campus, can you go around and say I want to see the genocide of Jews? I want all Jews killed? And they couldn't answer the question. Why? Like you said, eight, nine people out of ten in a room. But I have no problem with that. It's because 
we have these people who really are in an ideological fringe, but they're in these elite places in our society. They're in Hollywood. They're in academia. And so the trans question, the issue of, uh, of parents' rights, how can you possibly say it's okay for a kid to go to school every day, pretend to be a different gender, and no one tells the parents, and they lie to the parents, and the school administration says it's our policy to lie? That sounds crazy. But in academia and in the Democratic Party and in the leadership of the party in particular, this is the place they've staked out. And uh, what I think, Jack, is eventually the Trump moment will come and go. It'll be what it'll be. And what will be left behind when that tide washes away will be this exposed sand of far-left extremism. You know, for example, right now, Democrats in, in Concord yesterday were calling for ending New Hampshire's current limit on abortion, which is at six months. In other words, they're, they're not trying to stop a six-week ban yeah. or a six-day ban. They're at six months. You but know, Michael. of how you feel, most people think that's crazy. Most people think an, an elective abortion at the seventh or eighth month is so extreme. I know, but, but again. But conversations are dominated by Trump right now, and Trump is kind of the big Jupiter yeah. in the solar system in front of that conversation that will happen. Be, be careful, Michael. Pretty soon the live for your die motto is going to be under attack again for being too extreme and might upset yeah, absolutely. some people. All right, Michael, thank you. Hope you feel better. Thank you. Thanks. NHJournal.com. Well, week 18 is now starting on Saturday for the National Football League final week. And with that comes playoff implications. Josh Applebaum of VSIN Sports Betting Radio, which you can find on 106.3 HD2 near radios. Just log on to thepulseofnh.com, and you can also click on the image where you can get on there. And last week, Josh, for week 17, you went two and four and I went three and three. You are at 48 and 41 on the season. I'm at 44 and 40. We now kick it off with week 18. That's going to start with two games tomorrow. They're calling this the season finale in the National Football League. And it is a lot of teams are going to be in. A lot of teams are going to be out contenders and the pretenders. It starts off tomorrow with Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Baltimore resting about 90% of their roster tomorrow night, 4.30 p.m. on ESPN. But we're going to start with one that's got implications for playoffs for both the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts, 8.15 p.m. kickoff on ESPN. And right now, the Houston Texans have got to win. and hope Jacksonville doesn't win on Sunday, but Indianapolis trying to have the same fate there. Right now, currently... The line for the Houston Texans is minus one with a 47.2 line. Who you got this Saturday night at Indianapolis? J-Dog, this one's been really interesting because we actually opened this game Indy, a very short favorite around minus one at home. It has flipped to Houston, Mm -hmm. now minus one and a half on the road. And public riding Houston, 70% of bets. I'm wondering now if we've gone too far in this point because I think this is providing an opportunity now to buy low at home on the Colts on a deflated number or an inflated number, whichever way you look at it. Uh, so I'm going to take the Colts here, plus one and a half. They're playing well at home. They're 3-0 and their last three home games. And really with the uh, Houston Texans, they've had a great year, but a very young team late in the season. I think they might be, uh, I don't know, not ready for this or maybe not experienced enough. I'll lean on kind of the veteran leadership of the uh, the Colts here. I'll take the Colts plus one and a half, J-Dog. I want to take the Colts. I just, I don't know. I just, I, I thought the Houston Texans were going to run out of gas, and they kind of didn't. This might be the time where they do. It's the final game of the year, and you, you tend to do that. But uh, no, I think the Houston Texans, they get this one and, and hope for Jacksonville to lose at the Tennessee Titans, which you, get, you never know what it could happen. Titans are out of it, but the Jags need uh, to win that to get in. That'll be on Sunday. 
We'll now move on to two teams who are not going to be participating in postseason play. The New England Patriots and the New York Football Jets, a game you can hear on our sister stations, Frank FM, that's 106.3, WFNQ, as well as 98.3, WLNH, as well as 99.1, The Bone. As uh, Bob Sosie and Scott Zolak will call the action from Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts, a 10 a.m. pregame, 1 p.m. kickoff right now. As it stands, Josh, the New England Patriots are currently a minus one and a half point favorite with a 35 line. The Jets can't seem to solve the Patriots. Will they do that this Sunday at Gillette? I don't think so, Jay. Dog, give me the Patriots in this one. I'm laying it with the Pats. Uh, you mentioned that minus one and a half. Some looks even up now to minus two. So mm. seen movement toward New England. And you mentioned it, how the Patriots have had the Jets number 15 and 0 the last 15 games. I'm going to just kind of put an X factor into this one. Belichick's last game, J-Dog. I think he goes out with a win. He absolutely hates the Jets. It could be a perfect ending uh, if Belichick doesn't get let go to have his final win. You know, carry him off on your shoulders, beat the Jets. I would say, though, J-Dog, two things. There's a rumor right now that there's some illness going through the Patriots locker room. That's one thing to monitor. And then do you have an update on the weather for me, J-Dog? Is it going to be a blizzard? Are we going to get over a foot of snow? What's the latest there's up potential. in there's for, potential. Uh, Gillette? Right. But there's potential that, that Gillette Stadium could get some snow. There's potential at, during, the, <laughs> during the game. I'm going to take the Pats in this one as well. I think this is Bill Belichick's final game as a head coach for the Patriots. I think they're going to move on, and he's going to pull out all the stops. As you mentioned, he hates the Jets. He was a coach for them for as long as... Uh, <laughs> As long as a sneeze, I guess. And that was back in 2000. Boy, the Jets want that one back. Okay, moving on to the next game. The Atlanta Falcons need to win and get help to get in. But if they can't win, they're donezo. I had them winning the division, by the way, in the NFC South. People scoffed at me, and then they didn't start laughing. Now they're laughing at me again. The 7-9 Falcons are at the 8-8 eight eight New Orleans Saints. Saints need to win and have the Bucks lose to the Carolina Panthers for them to get into the playoffs. There's all kinds of scenarios for that, but we're not going to get into that because we don't have time. Right now, as it stands, Atlanta, New Orleans currently minus three for the Saints, a 40.8 line. Who you got in the Big Easy this Sunday, Josh? I'm going to take Falcons plus three, Jay Dog. I think you can maybe, uh, yeah, a bit of a surprise here. You might be able to wait it out and get a three and a half. The hook is obviously so important when you're betting the NFL, but this is a data play for me. I mean, it feels like Saints will blow them out. However, this game opened Saints some books as high as minus five, minus four and a half. Now we're all the way down to three. So this line keeps moving toward the Falcons, even though they're only getting 30% of bets. But they're actually getting nearly 60% of the money. It also matched a divisional dog angle here uh, and a dog with a low total. And you look at also dogs off a blowout loss of 20 points or more, J-Dog, they come back and cover 60% the next week since 2018. So i got to trust the data. I'll go Falcons. I love the hook. I'm the three and a half. If not, I'll ride Falcons plus three. I want the chaos more than you know it. Because remember the college football <laughs> chaos happened when Alabama threw a wrench into the plans of Georgia and it became that playoff between Michigan, Alabama, Washington, and Texas. That's not the kind of chaos I wanted because I'm an Ohio State guy, but that didn't happen. Ohio State didn't do their job. And then they didn't do their job in the uh, Cotton Bowl Classic either. But uh, I'm going to take the Saints in this one. I just think the wind is out of the Falcons' uh, sails. I think Arthur Smith is going to get fired as a head coach. There's going to be up to 10, potential 10 vacancies in the NFL. Pink slip Monday for sure will be interesting. But I'm going to take New Orleans in this one. 
even though they do better on the road than they do at home, as evidenced by last week's game at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when the Bucks pretty much all they had to do was win, get try to get that division. Didn't happen. But they're at the Panthers this Sunday, so the Bucks all they got to do is win, and they're in there. Okay, a game that's got implications for the Green Bay Packers. All they have to do is win, and they're in. They're hosting their most hated rivals, the Chicago Bears. Packers right now minus three, a 43-and-a-half line. Who you got at the frozen tundra at Lambeau Field, and it could be frozen this coming Sunday at 425 p.m. on CBS. Who you got this Sunday? I'm going with Coach Decca and the Bears in this one, J-Dog. I like the plus three here. I uh, did see a move toward Green Bay. They opened as low as minus one and a half, minus two and a half. They got all the way up to minus three and a half. Then when it got to the hook, you saw a lot of buyback on Chicago, bringing it back down to three. And right now there's some books that are juiced. Chicago plus three at minus 120. Like, you may get down to two and a half. So kind of tells me we have a contrarian opportunity here. Uh, you're getting less than half the tickets, but almost 70% of the money on Chicago. And you also get playing the spoiler, you know, as a divisional dog here with the built-in familiarity. Chicago knows they got the one, number one pick really no matter what. So it's to their benefit to play well uh, and maybe keep this thing close. I like the plus three. Would have loved the hook. It's not there anymore. I'll go Chicago plus three. Well, either someone's going eight and nine or nine and eight. It's the Packers, of course. If they win that, they're nine and eight and they get in. Or they lose and they're eight and nine and the Bears win this, then they're eight, eight and nine. They lose it, though. They're seven and ten. I'm a Green Bay Packers guy. It is in my blood to hate the Chicago Bears and not pick them, which is what I'm going to do, not pick them. I'm taking the pack, pack, pack to win this Sunday in Lambeau Field. Okay, the fifth game, Seattle Seahawks, they need to win and get help to get in. It's another game where this game's gone to the birds. Sometimes it's benefited them, sometimes it's not. This bird game of birds this time is at the Arizona Cardinals. We'll see who flocks together in this one. No more bird analogies, I promise, after this. The Seahawks right now, minus three, with a 46.8 line. Who you got this Sunday in the desert? I got Arizona plus three. I'll take the oh. points here, J-Dog. Yeah, this thing moved a little bit to uh, Arizona. You actually got a bunch of books. Seattle minus three and a half. Now it's down to three. A lot of books juiced up like it may go to two and a half. So this line has really been trending toward Arizona. They're only getting 40% of bets. So you have that contrarian reverse line move. And Kyler Murray... Coach just said he's our guy, you know, not looking to, to uh, draft a quarterback here high in the draft. I think uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. would be a great pick for them to kind of build, rebuild that offense. But uh, he said Kyler's our, our QB. He's 24-14 and 14 against the spread as a dog in his career, uh, J-Dog. That's 63% ATS overall. Again, tight number here. But Arizona, to me, uh, has got that sharp line move. I'm taking Zona plus three. Okay, I'm going to take the Seahawks in this one. As I said, I just... I don't know if I can trust the Cardinals, even though you know, Kyler Murray is the guy moving forward. Uh, they are 4-12. and 12. They're not going to have the number one pick no matter what. But getting Marvin Harrison, Harrison Jr. would be would be a massive get. It would almost be like, kind of like a Larry Fitzgerald kind of thing back in the day. Okay. Moving on to the game of games, I think this is going to be the best one of all of them. It's the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo's at Miami. It's 8.20 p.m. kickoff on NBC on Sunday night. And winner of this wins the division, essentially. Right now, Buffalo, two-and-a-half-point favorite, minus two-and-a-half-point favorite with a 50.1 line. The Dolphins are dinged up. Who you got in South Beach this Sunday night? I'm going with Buffalo, J-Dog. Okay. Yeah, Bills Mafia. I like this angle to Buffalo a couple reasons. One, data. If it's seen the line go to Buffalo, they open minus two, even one-and-a-half. Now they're up to two-and-a-half. They even got up to three at one point. Had a little buyback on the key number, back down to two-and-a-half. I like it better now, now that you're under that key number of three. 
That way now if Buffalo wins by three, you, you cash your bet and cover. Uh, 60% bets, more than 70% of the money is on Buffalo. The team that's really surging since they fired their offensive coordinator and brought in Joe Brady. They're running the ball more. And you mentioned the key factor for me to bet against Miami, all these injuries. They've really gotten hit with the injury bug. Two is going to play, but his shoulder's banged up. Uh, Chubb is out for the year. Mostert, Waddle, Xavier, and Howard, a lot of these guys aren't practicing. And Miami, one thing we know about them, they really beat up on the bad teams. But they don't play very well against winning teams. So I'm going to take Buffalo in this one. Uh, I like them on the money line, but you know, for our, for our convo today, I'll lay the two and a half and go Buffalo. As will I, the Dolphins are dinged up. They always seem to slide in December, too. It's weird. I just don't I don't get that. It doesn't matter who the coaches or the players are. They always just seem to slide in December. It's just weird. I'm going to take the Bills in this one. Okay, so that we recap, you've got Indianapolis, New England, Atlanta, Chicago, Arizona, and Buffalo. I have Houston, New England, New Orleans, Green Bay, Seattle, and Buffalo. So, Josh, where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Josh underscore insights. And if you ever want to learn more about sports betting, I did write a book, The Everything Guide to Sports Betting. You can pick it up on Amazon. J-Dog, is this our last one? Are we going to do some playoff uh, breakdowns or what's the deal here? I think this this is our finale. I think this is the finale. I think this is the finale. I'll let you know in the week if this is it or not. I'll let you know. Well, you let me know, J-Dog. Carry me off on your shoulders like Rudy. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Josh. Take care, J-Dog. All right, there you have it. J-Dog's pick six for week 18. More of Good Morning New Hampshire here on the Pulse of New Hampshire after this. I want to bring in uh, Chief Mark Armaganian, great friend of the show, great friend of public safety in New Hampshire, uh, great friend of ours, Good Morning New Hampshire, the Pulse Foundation. He's Chief of the New Hampshire Liquor Enforcement, former commander, one of the commanders of the New Hampshire State Police. Mark, good morning, Chief. We haven't had a real good chance to talk with you. We only have a few moments. I wanted to get you in kind of going into the new year and coming out of 2023 into 2024. We had... We had, we had um, uh, Lieutenant Storm on yesterday, State Police talking about some stats from last year on highway fatalities, distracted driving, but on the enforcement and safety side, wanted you to kind of give a 2024 kind of a couple of the priorities. Well, thank you, Jack, and uh, I'm glad you had Chris on. He's he's uh, not only a great person, uh, but a uh, an expert in the subject matter, and and it's always great to hear that he's still involved. Um, one of the biggest things we had crossing into the new year, uh, happy holidays to everybody and, and happy new year is, uh, it, we were successful and, and our success was in our education. Um, our licensees were out there serving responsibly. Our, our, uh, patrons that were visiting those establishments, um, were responsible in, in setting up, uh, um, uh, share rides and and creating um, uh, yep. some sort of plan that will get them safely to their residence if they decide to partake in a, uh, uh, drinking alcoholic beverages. But one thing we have moving into the new year is our fourth year annual uh, New Hampshire Mocktail Month. Uh, January has been designated as that month. And uh, the New Hampshire Liquor Commission has uh, teamed up with one of our longtime great partners, Brown Foreman, and over 70 local restaurants in creating this alcohol-free mocktail uh, in celebration of this month. Um, and and it's, it's been a great experience for us. Um, it, it has uh, allowed us as the Liquor Commission uh, having – uh, dealing with the commodity of alcohol to offer alternatives to that 
in 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 light of being responsible or even more responsible, giving options. And and one of the things that we have seen is that this this um, right. this month also creates. Um, those those alternatives uh, gets yep. people thinking in other directions of of you know socializing but not always having to partake right. in an alcoholic beverage. And um, we, real so, quickly, if people so, if, pe- if people yep. want to learn more because we're up against it, we're going to have to get you on next week. If people want to learn more, best way um, www.nhliquorenforcement uh, to get a hold of us. But uh, to find out more about uh, Mocktail Month, www.liquorandwineoutlets.com um, backslash responsibility. 